This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. You're with Lee Chui Lin, Shamila Ganesan and Sharad Kutin. Tonight, do you think you could significantly cut down on how much water you use? We're asking this because the Chief Minister Penang has called on the people of the state to reduce their water consumption by 20% on a daily basis. We're going to be covering the issue around Penang's water woes and how much of it can be tied to personal water use. And in the meantime, let us know. Do you think you use a lot of water? Do you have water-saving tips you want to share? You can call 77 332 tweet us at BFM Radio, send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U-Mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. is 6.08. So, to begin at the beginning, uh, Penang Chief Minister Chao Kon Yao has asked for Penangites to reduce domestic water consumption by 20% daily uh, to prevent state dam levels from going down. Now, just to give you a picture, the effective capacity of the Aitam Dam uh, stands or, or stood when he made the statement at 41.5%. And if in theory, um, this does happen. You do. Everyone does reduce their domestic water consumption. Uh, according to data from the Penang Water Supply Corporation, this will save uh, 106.8 million litres per day. So if you're wondering why the dam levels are so low, a um, couple of reasons. The first is that the low rainfall in the dam water catchment area since January this year, um, despite having tried cloud seeding since May. The second reason is high consumption because the state <clears throat> has now set a new record for water com- uh, consumption at 868 uh, 868 uh, litres used per capita. Um, so the... Penang CM said that Penangites basically on average use more water per capita than the national average and said that domestic water consumption actually accounted for about 61.6% of the total consumption of water in the state last year. Now, he said that reducing domestic consumption of water will generate a bigger impact on water conservation than reducing consumption by the government or by commercial sectors in the state, which I thought was a really interesting um point of view to take. And probably a contentious one, mm, right? And, yeah. and so, okay, now the story of Penang's water wars is in fact a story about that region, that part of Malaysia. It doesn't just involve Penang. And Kedah and Perlis are very much part of it. Uh, it's called the Northern Corridor Economic Region, or NCER. The, the reason is we're, we're talking about dams, but in fact, 80% of Penang's raw water comes from the Muda River. Now, where does that water come from? It comes from a catchment area deep in the state of Kedah. And uh, when we go through the story, I think what we'll, we'll discover is that there's been a long-standing dispute about how to manage that water and whether that water is best managed by thinking outside the box, not thinking in terms of states, but in 
thinking in terms of a region with shared responsibilities and shared burden. That's not been the the tone of the conversation between the state of Qatar and Penang over the last couple of years. So clearly a number of different things, right? You've got this long-standing water issue that, that is the backdrop for all of it. You have got a claim that it's domestic water use that is really the the kind of issue at the heart of why water consumption levels are, are or why, you know, they're so worried about water consumption right at this very moment in Penang. And that's a lot to unpack. We'll be doing it very shortly with Professor Dr. Chan Ngai Wing, who's the president of Water Watch Penang. In the meantime, though, we'd like to hear from you. It's not just a Penang problem. Frankly, you know, if we look around at Malaysia, water, how we use it, how we waste it is a perennial problem. Um, so we want to know, considering there's this call for, uh, for Penangites to drop their water consumption, do you think you use a lot of water? Uh, do you think you would be able to cut it down by quite a bit? And are there water-saving tips that you've used that have worked for you that you want to share? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Best for money. BFM 89.9. It is 6.13. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn, Sharmila and Sharad. And together we are talking about water consumption. I mean, we're starting off in the state of Penang after its chief minister has asked for people in the state, uh, in the state Penangites, to reduce their water consumption by 20% daily. Um, and we want to know, do you think you personally use a lot of water? And are there water-saving tips that you'd perhaps like to share with us? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now to talk about this, we have Professor Dr. Chan Ngai Wing, who is the president of Water Watch Penang. Uh, Prof Chan, thanks for speaking with us today. Welcome. So um, this call from the Chief Minister comes after news that the Aitam Dam stood at around 44% capacity, which is less than half full, and the Penang Water Supply Corporation has attributed this to high consumption. Do you think this is an adequate explanation? Okay, thank you very much. First of all, I'd like to thank uh, BFM for having me. Um, I think this is quite justified uh, as uh, it is one of the main reasons why Actually, the Aitam area uh, consumption has uh, increased tremendously and it is putting a big stress on the dam. So, um, as we know, the Aitam area is 100% supplied by this dam. So, when people use water, even if it rains, the dam will not fill up. So, if people are using more water than the dam can recharge its water, then obviously the dam level will go down. So this is what is actually happening. Of course, the other reasons like you had mentioned earlier on is because we had not had a lot of rains since January this year. It's very strange huh? because April is supposed to be a rainy month. Uh, we have two peaks, April and October and September. So April, we didn't see a lot of rain. So I think the rain is about to come maybe uh, towards the end of this month. So climate is changing. So this this is the other reason. So domestic consumers are also using too much water. Uh, just now you mentioned 800. 800 is actually not correct. Uh, this year, we are using 307 liters per capita, daily per capita per person, which is the highest in the whole country. 
uh, average Malaysian is only using 230, Singaporeans 150. The United Nations giving a recommendation of 165. So Penangites are using more than double. Okay, back to you. So, yeah, so this is, uh, as the Chief Minister Penang says, uh, the situation is dire. Uh, and he's calling for the reduction of domestic water consumption by 20%. Do you think uh, this is going to have a significant impact on the situation in Penang? Um, I think the Chief Minister will not make such, you know, an appeal to the entire state if the situation is not dire. I think those people who are working in the water industry will know that it is very serious now. It's not just the Ayitam Dam level that has dropped tremendously down to 44%. I think as of today, it's 44.4%. Um, the other three, the other two dams, uh, Telobahang Dam has also uh, dropped down to 46.7%. Although the Mangkwang Dam uh, is at 86%, but we don't use the water in the Mangkwang Dam. Uh, the Mangkwang Dam water is just used as an alternative uh, standby for emergency. But unfortunately, I think the, the piping and the channels that are supposed to connect the dam to the treatment plant is not complete yet. So uh, we can't use this water from the Mengkuang Dam as yet. So they are trying to expedite uh, completing it. So, so you can see it's not just one dam. It's uh, two dams going down. And also in recent weeks, the Muda River had a problem. And when the Muda River dropped, we cannot draw water from the Muda River. And this has caused a huge problem because 80% of our water is drawn from the Muda River. Okay, back to you, Josh. So getting back to the question of um, the Penang CM asking for domestic users to reduce consumption by 20%, how does the average ordinary user gauge what a 20% reduction is? Uh, okay, it's very simple. All you got to do is check your water bill. So in the water bill, it's not just amount of ringgit you have to pay. There is a figure that says how many liters you are using. So you just compare uh, the previous reading with the current <clears> one, and uh, the difference would be your savings, either your savings if you have reduced, or if you have increased and you're using more. So the percentage is easily calculable, uh, easily. So it's not a problem. Do you think, uh, okay, so to put it bluntly, is an appeal to users, uh, which is what's happening now, a call for people to do better, to try their best, is that an effective policy tool or would raising the price of water be more effective? Uh, in my opinion, of course, uh, increasing tariff or revising the tariff would be more, more effective. I think especially in Penang. Uh, Penangites are known to be very frugal and uh, they are looking a lot at the money. So I think hitting them uh, where it hurts would, would count, would be more effective. Um, but having said that, this is a very sensitive political issue because government may not, may not want to rock the boat uh, by increasing the tariff, uh, knowing that you know, the election is you know, coming by very, very soon. Um, I don't think that will increase the tariff uh, for any time soon. But uh, it is more effective, in my opinion. But of course, uh, appealing to people also can can go a little way to let people know about the situation in Penang. 
Okay, I, because uh, it's not me or anybody that's appealing. It's a chief minister that's appealing. So this may go go a long way. Huh? So using using his charisma. Okay, to move people, I, I do want to ask you though, you know, the burden now is being placed on domestic users and we're being told that actually the industrial or commercial sectors of the state are not the problem. Is it because it's easier for domestic users to adjust their consumption and, and, and while industry players can't? I mean, w what's the fair share of burden that should be placed in terms of these two stakeholders? Okay, thank you very much for that question. Actually, George, it's not a matter of fairness here. Do you know that the domestic tariff is heavily subsidized? Uh, it's supposed to be heavily subsidized by the Penang Water Corporation or the Penang government. But actually, that's not the case. The case is there's a cross-subsidy from the profits made on the industrial tariff. And this cross-subsidy is given to the domestic tariff. What, what it means is like this. We are charging the industry more for the tariff. And this amount is being cross-subsidized for the domestic. So how can you say that if you ask the domestic consumers to do, you know, uh, some water saving, then it's not fair. I mean, all this while, the industries, they are not making noise. They are cross-subsidizing the domestic consumers. So I think it's fair, but uh, obviously both parties have to come together. If you ask just the domestic to do the savings, then we are only uh, maybe addressing just 60% of the question of the issue because domestic uh, consumers are using 60% of the water. The other 40% is the industry. So industries must also come on. But uh, I think the multinationals, they have their own uh, plan in place because uh, they have to, you know, certain KPIs they have to achieve. And I think the blue or green KPI is very important to them. So they're already having some water saving programs already in place. Thank you. So you referenced this earlier. Um, in terms of sources of raw water, the Ulumuda catchment area in the Muda River, of course, supplies 80% of Penang's water needs. Has enough attention uh, been paid in terms of policy to this side of the water management equation? This is a million-dollar question that has remained unresolved until today. Uh, the main reason is because um, although Penang and Kedah share this uh, this Ulu Muda catchment area uh, or the uh, Muda River uh, flows into both states. Uh, it is considered a transboundary river. So, but unfortunately, the upstream area is in Kedah. In fact, I think maybe 90%, 80 to 90% of the entire area is in Kedah. Uh, the, the downstream area is in Penang. But, uh, but both states are drawing water and using the water. Um, the catchment area, of course, 100% is in Kedah upstream. So whatever Kedah does to the upstream area uh, in terms of developing it, logging it, or whatever, the effects will be felt downstream. So, and there's nothing much Penang can do except, you know, try to uh, talk to them and try to raise the issue with the federal government, try, uh, try to put it in the press and things like that and try to talk to them. I think Penang has been always wanting to talk to Kedah, but, but Kedah, I think they want us to pay. They think we should pay to compensate them for not logging 
the catchment. But okay, so, uh, Professor Chan, I want to push back on that a little. Don't you think that's fair? Uh, it seems like, in fact, if there's a kind of belligerent party, and I know both sides, uh, you know, posture on this, uh, Penang has been equally belligerent. In January 2020, uh, Penang Chief Minister says best to settle the long-standing water disputes uh, between the two states in court. They don't seem to want to see this as a shared responsibility where both sides, especially the richer side, that's Penang, taking on some of the financial burden to protect what is a common good. Thank you, Josh, for that question. Um, I mean, what I say is just my opinion. Um, well, I think, in my opinion, if Penang's state government were to pay Kadar for the raw water it takes from the Muda River, which flows into Penang, it would be political suicide because there is no legal obligation for us to pay when we are taking water from our side of the river. So I, I don't think, you know, they will ever pay for the raw water, but there are other means. They should explore other ways in which Penang can help Kadar. I think, in my opinion, one of the ways that we can explore would be, since we are protecting the Ulumura catchment, um, whether you are domestic water consumer or an industry or so on, all water consumers should pay a tax for conserving this Ulumura catchment, not for the raw water. Penang should not pay for the raw water, but water consumers paying for the protection of the Ulumura water catchment. For instance, a domestic consumer can pay one ringgit per month added to their bill as a tax. So this goes to Kedah, you know, for whatever uh, needs they need to use this water to, to conserve uh, the catchment for not logging. Penang, police, Kedah, all water consumers, whether you are industry or you are a domestic, one ringgit. One ringgit for the domestic, of course, more for the industry players. I think this will work. So... Back to you. Uh, Charles Santiago, who's chairman of SPAN, has called for a separate authority to manage the Muda River Basin. Do you think this would be a step in the right direction? Well, I think this this should be the direction that we should take because the Muda River is a transboundary river. When when the river is transboundary, it flows into two states. The federal government has the authority because, because this river comes under the concurrent list. Concurrent list meaning the federal government has the jurisdiction to, to come in, to mediate, to moderate, and to manage. If the river is solely in Kedah, then the federal government has no say. The federal constitution will give the right jurisdiction to the state in that sense. But a transboundary river like the Muda River, yes. So I think they should set up this... Um, commission or we call it the Umba, Ulumuda, Basin Authority or whatever you call it, it should be made out of the federal government, uh, partly by the agencies from Penang and also partly by the agencies of Kedah. And uh, if you ask me, maybe even some NGOs should sit on it. So are the lessons we're learning in this uh, Penang water crisis applicable to other states in the country? Obviously, I think, you know, if uh, whatever we achieve huh, in Penang, uh, in terms of water management, if we are successful, other states should follow. Um, in fact, uh, all these years, uh, as far as I know, uh, the ministers of uh, water resources years ago, they have always asked all the other states to follow Penang's example because 
Penang has the best water service provider in terms of uh, you know the the KPI they achieve the non-revenue water being the lowest, the price being the cheapest, and so on. So uh, previous ministers have always said, you know, if all the states can do like Penang, I think uh, they will solve a lot of their water problems. But none of them have come up to Penang standard so far. So I, I agree with you that they, they, they can learn a lot of lessons from Penang. But then again, Penang is a very, very poor state in terms of water and we are suffering and we are facing a lot of threats in the future. And our development is, you know, very, very, very precarious now because of the water, water, water equation here. So back to you. Thank you very much. Prof Chan, thank you so much for speaking with us today. That was Professor Dr Chan Ngai Wing, the president of Water Watch Penang, uh, who has been helping us understand really what's going on uh, with the water issue in in Penang. Uh, and that's because our whole story today is based on the chief minister of the state, Chao Kon Yao, saying that people need to reduce their domestic water consumption by 20% daily to prevent dam levels from going down. And we want to hear from you. Do you think that you personally use a lot of water? Um, are there ways you can reduce it? Are there water-saving tips you want to share? You can call us, tweet us, send us a voice note and keep it here, BFM 89.9. Better Finance Management, BFM 89.9. It's 6.38 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn, Sharmila and Sharad. And we're we're talking today about water use and asking you basically on a personal level, how much water do you use? Um, I know I'm not expecting a litre number, but just, you know, do you think you use a little? Do you use a lot? Are you good when it comes to how much water you use? Uh, do you have water saving tips that you'd like to share? You can let us know. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. A reminder that we're talking about this because Penang's Chief Minister Minister Chao Kon Yao has asked for Penangites to reduce their domestic water consumption by 20% daily because uh, there's just not enough water in the Aitam Dam, is what he's saying. So uh, let, let us know. In the meantime, if we head to the messages, nobody so far admitting that they use a lot of water. <laughs> Lots of water saving tips, not so many slightly ashamed confessions. Are you asking for slightly ashamed confession? <laughs> a little bit, partly because I suspect we all... Uh, no, not Okay, I don't want to generalise. I suspect that many of us um, actually use more water than we realise. Mm. Um, and I think that this is something that you only notice when there's something like the MCO and all of your water consumption is concentrated in your home and then the bill goes up and you're like, oh, I see. Um, but, you know, otherwise it, it's, it's a bit harder to tell and I also think it's very easy even if you have good habits for those good habits to sometimes get a little loose but we can talk about that later for me it's the things that actually the the very simple basic things that you even read in lists right but but in practice is a lot easier said than done like turn off the shower in between when you don't need it, right? Or don't take long baths, uh, baths as in literal, in a bathtub. Um, because my home doesn't have a bathtub, I don't usually think about it and it's a bit of a luxury when I go on holiday, I might use a hotel one. 
But for the first time in a long time, the last time I was on holiday, I actually thought about how much water I was then draining out mm. of that bathtub. Um, and I will admit, I did feel a, a bit of a twinge. I think we all take water for granted uh, because it's plentiful generally, uh, because, you know, we have really good pipe piping system. I mean, water, water supply uh, and it's relatively cheap. And it's only when we have like a shutdown because there's been poisoning in the water or something goes wrong, especially if you live in the state of Slango, we've had, you know, these... Uh, almost regular occurrences of the shutdown of a system and maybe you, you, you're not getting water for one or two days. But And then maybe we become a little more conscious. But because generally water is restored reasonably quick, we go back to our old ways and we take it for granted. I, 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 I myself, I mean, I myself, as if, you know, but you know, I take it for granted because it's so plentiful. And that's why when we think about policy uh, shift, use policy tools to shift the consumer behavior, the painful one, especially in a democratic society, is the one that probably the most effective charge people more and when you charge people more they will respond more quickly than than i think an emotional appeal by even a charismatic chief minister actually this um makes me think that perhaps the question today is not so much how much water do you use or do you think you use a lot of water um, but how much do you think about your water use because maybe we have to scale it all the way back right I, I'm not sure how much awareness there actually is about uh, how much water we use or whether we're careful with it because earlier when we were talking about it in the office our colleague pointed out well look I mean how am I quantifying 20%? Uh, you know, if you're asking me to reduce water use, fine, but but how am I quantifying it? And then I was thinking, well, actually, how many people even think about how much water they use? So anyways, uh, we're asking um, a few different points, but essentially, because we're talking about water use today, let us know... Um, do you even think, are you very conscious about water usage? Uh, do you have water saving tips that you'd like to share? Do you think that we need to consider what Sherrod was talking about, which is not so much a plea for decent behaviour, but just let's let's increase that water bill? Um, you can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we do have a song lined up. Before we get there, though, some water saving tips that people are sharing. So Jahan Zip says, I think fixing um, I think fixing shower time and installing mist-based shower heads, also maybe using kitchen water saver heads. Um, yes. I mean, I find that, you know, where do I use what works most, right? I, it's in cleaning stuff. I, it's, I use generous amounts of water. So anything that puts an, um, a limit on a single use of, of water at a particular time. I think the thing is this, right? If we had to draw water from a well or walk two miles to a river to collect water, we would start saving water. It's just a function of how much effort does it take? Unfortunately, it is so easy to use water. You just turn the tap, mm. right? And so there is no incentive built into our modern conveniences to take water for granted. If tomorrow you say to me, I'm going to have to give up um, my washing machine, I, I'm, I don't know how much water my washing machine uses, but if I had to give it up, I would scream. 
uh, and and cry and and you know and flail about the uh, the floor. Rend the garments that will be dirty. <laughs> yes. Well, if I rent my garments, I wouldn't have to be wearing them anymore. They'd just be rented all over the, well, this, the damn this floor. This escalated, but I do think yes, it sounds possible. Well, I, no, because I I was thinking um, part of that notion of being conscious about your use of water involves being conscious about or prepared for sacrifice, which is exactly that, right? Because if we're talking about reducing water use, it will inevitably we can soften the blow a little bit and say, oh, it'll take behavior shift, it'll take mindset shift. But fundamentally, it will take sacrifice and a little bit of inconvenience. So going back to Sherrod's point earlier about um, making it difficult to use too much water, i.e. by raising the prices. Of course, the other other part of it is either incentivizing um, or encouraging or requiring uh, the installation of water-saving technology, right? Which is the, the mode Singapore has taken. Uh, many of their building codes require certain levels of water-saving technology used for their washing machines or their shower heads. Um, and I think that's one way to do it. But then it does require, um, again, that ability to have a centralised authority managing different uh, dwellings. And and one that's not uh, that's probably insulated from democratic pressures. But I think in Singapore they've always and this, I, I say always because when I was a kid living in Johor and then when I was a kid living in Singapore, you'd hear these water saving uh, ads on Singapore, and it was always tied to national security. It's something that we don't talk about. We don't think of it. Actually, Charles Santiago mentioned the the Muda Basin in terms of security. That's the first time I've heard it used there. It's Singapore. Water was always a security issue. Its reliance on water from um, uh, from Johor was a security issue. Its building of all you know new water and, and desalination plants, um, all that is about security. And because they've had a security mindset around water, they have been able to persuade people, I think, to make those sacrifices. So we're talking all things water consumption today and uh, we want to know, are you generally a, a water conscious person? Do you think about how much water you use? Do you think you use a lot of water? Do you want to confess on air perhaps? You know, we, we've kind of done our fair share of it. Um, let us know. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.52 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn, Sharmila and Sharad. And together we're talking about water consumption or specifically the need to reduce it. This is after Penang's Chief Minister Chao Kon Yao has called for people in the state to reduce their water consumption by 20%. And that has us asking essentially... Could you? Uh, I mean, do you think you use a lot of water? Do you think there's room for improvement? Are you a water-conscious person? Do you think about it? Uh, let us know. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. We've got a caller with us now. We have got Philip. Philip, good evening. What are your thoughts? Hi, good evening. Yeah, I have a tip on saving some water. Um, basically, what I do is uh, I usually water my plants in the morning. So uh, I thought of a way that I put a bucket while I shower and that collects some water from there. And whatever water I collected from there, I just use it to uh, water my plants. At the same time, I also try to um, 
when I wash my clothes, I at, at the part where the washing machine is at the rinse type, uh, I'm in the rinsing part, then I will also try to collect the water from there and use it to wash my balcony. That's, that's what I would do uh, to the best I could to save some water. <laughs> Philip, can I ask, like, when you began doing this, were you always a water-conscious person or did something happen that made you go, oh, maybe I need to be, you know, kind of thinking about saving more water? Um, well, I just started about uh, a month ago um, after hearing some people saying, oh, um, so actually it's my friend who shared this to me uh, where I could save some water rather than using too much water because... I, we were discussing the price of the water is quite cheap, but my my condo I am paying about fourteen or fifteen ringgit per month. Mm. So I, he was saying that wow, it's quite expensive. Um, I, he was only paying about less than ten ringgit a month. So I said, okay, why not I try to save some water from there. Nice, Philip. Thank you so much for calling. Um, Sharad, I feel you twitching away, wanting to talk about money. <laughs> well, I mean, there's somebody, I think uh, I am Heisenberg says, you know, how much is your water bill? Says mine is six ringgit. And it's extraordinarily low. And, you know, I mean, even with the last caller, you know, you said that, you know, your bill is 14 ringgit. That's the price of a latte and maybe a slightly atas uh, cafe. But still, it's all it is. And can it, is it sustainable? You know, if in fact we were asked to make sacrifices by a charismatic leader, would we do it? Money is in fact a great way of incentivizing or disincentivizing uh, certain types of behavior, right? Um, just because it's the real, the most real thing to us in terms of our relationship with the world. And I think uh, whether it should be or not is another thing, but I, I do think that's going to move the needle more than personal appeals. I think it's a bit of everything. Um, so I agree with you that money is, is the most immediate, um, maybe the easiest to understand. I think that there's also something to be said for uh, the element of shame, because in countries in which there is a serious concern with water security or water supply, you see people, you know, shaming one another for we're getting lots of car washing. We'll come back to it, but you know, for like watering their lawn, watering their yeah. lawn for just using waters Doing in excessive every day showy ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. No, and I and I think that there are a number of things that that we can talk about in terms of this sort of more. I suppose more external pressures in terms of getting people to to think about their water usage. And I, I think that can and should go hand in hand with getting people to be more aware that this is something that impacts their daily lives and that impacts long-term resources for us. Uh, just briefly, since we heard earlier from Philip about this sort of bucket shower tip, uh, we also have someone else kind of chiming in on this. We've got Isa. Personally, I would put a bucket, an empty bucket next to me when I shower with my shower head so that the excessive water would naturally flow into the bucket and then I can use the bucket to either a uh, bucket of water to either wash the floor or even flush the toilet. Isa, thanks for that. So um, I, I'm loving the specificity actually of how people do the things they do. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I do similar stuff, for instance, when I'm washing my rice and then the water that you kind of collect from it, you can actually use it for multiple things, from watering plants um, or even just sometimes for even cleaning your sink and so on. So, yeah, I love the little things that you could do on a daily basis. I wonder if, you know, coming back to Lynn's uh, issue of um, sacrifice, if in fact government policy was not simply please do this in whatever way you can, just reduce it by 20%, but they were very specific. If they identified things they thought were actually uh, water-wasting uh, practices and said, we're going to outright ban it, would you, how with, with so horror, water, or would you the, accept the lawn, it? The lawn watering in Australia, um, counties will actually have rules as to what days you can water your lawn, um, which areas are allowed to on which day. So I think it's not unknown for that to be put in place. You know, I had uh, an initial kind of gut reaction of nanny state. But <laughs> then the other part of me was thinking, actually, is it just easier? In some cases, um, if you are whether it's with the, the stick of money or whether it's with the, the simple information of, look, this is what we're doing from now on, so let's just do it, okay? We don't have enough water. Um, whether taking out the thinking element for people of having to do their own calculations and having to do the, have I saved water today? Did I, did I do the right thing? Whether that might, in fact, be easier? In fact, if I was going, if we, were, we had to have a nanny state, I would rather <laughs> be, be nanny about the environment yeah. and these kinds of issues not about the watch I wear on my wrist. No, and how <laughs> and how different is that from, for instance, asking us to separate our garbage? Uh, you know, so there are multiple things actually that would fall under. These are practices that we're enforcing because it's for the collective good. And you're absolutely right. They're more important than some of the things the government does choose to act on. So we're talking today about water use and we want to know, uh, do you think of yourself as a water conscious person? Do you, do you kind of take care of that element? Um, do you think that we should be paying more for water or that there should be kind of stricter measures around regulating how we use our water? Let us know. That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note at 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Beyond Frivolous Mishmash, BFM 89.9. It's 7.08. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn, Sharmila and Sharad. So a brief recap of what we've been talking about. Uh, the Chief Minister of Penang, Chao Kon Yao, called on people in the state to reduce their water consumption by 20% daily, domestic water consumption. So, you know, just regular people at home. Um, and this is because the Aitam Dam is currently at 41.5%. So we need to, or rather people in Penang really need to be thinking about this issue of water. But that has us asking more broadly. So this 20% number, right? How many of us are in fact water conscious? How many of us think a lot about how much water we use? Um, and also... Is it more effective to try and appeal to people's better natures? <laughs> or, you know, should we just be regulating it? Should we be charging more? Let us know. Uh, again, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we also have actually been asking people for water tips. And we've got a few more of those. Let's start things off with a voice note from Siwa. Ha, huh. uh, I think it's become a daily habit of mine. So, without knowing, uh, 
So once become habit, it's not much of a problem. Uh, I brush my teeth using uh, water from the mug. I don't let the tap running. And I will turn off the shower uh, in between because I will keep a separate tub of water in the sink. If I take it from the from the bathtub, then no wastage at all. And I also recycle my dishwashing water uh, to bring to put it in the wok and bring the water to boil so that I use less uh, dishwashing liquid and it's easier to clean. Thanks, Yuha. Uh, so a number of interesting points. I think we're hearing just a lot of water recycling, essentially. For We have other tips coming through, but thus far what we've been hearing about is the, the focus on just, you know, reusing the water that you do, in fact, put out in the world. Uh, Siuha, your message actually, uh, your voice note reminded me of how growing up, um, before we installed showers in my family home, uh, we shower, we bathed from buckets, right? So we'd fill a, a big bucket with water and then we'd shower with it. And it was kind of a practice, right? You'd be told one bucket for your bath. Um, and you just learned to make do with it. Mm. You didn't sort of flagrantly use more than that because, because then later somebody would complain, there's half a bucket of cold water in that nobody now wants to use. So I do think that sometimes some of these practices is just a it's a way of reminding us to be conscious, to remember, because with a shower or a running tap, it's easy to forget. There's also the other side of this story, which is harvesting and how much of us, because we actually live in a country that where rain is plentiful at times. The question is harvesting. Does anybody out there harvest water, you know, uh, uh, through, at their balcony, if they live in a landed property, do they put buckets out and would they use rainwater? Well, I have an answer for you. Jane does. Uh, Jane says, my family and I don't use excessive volumes of water. We save water filter backwash or rinsing water to wash dishes and whatnot. Don't waste that. Uh, we can also save the rain or install rainwater harvesting systems to store water for non-portable use like gardening, flushing the toilet, washing the car. It doesn't need to be expensive. You can use something you build yourself. The rain gutter is already there. If you don't have a rain down pipe, you can use some uh, PET bottles, cut off the bottom, stack them together vertically, forming a funnel-like down pipe uh, channeled into a container with mesh cover to get rid of unwanted debris. There you go, your own DIY rainwater harvesting system. It's as simple as that. And then for businesses, when you have the funds, it's totally worth it to invest in a proper rainwater harvesting system. Uh, we also have a problem with non-revenue water loss in the distribution piping that requires overly high capex to replace the pipes. Yeah, so the non-revenue uh, water is very interesting. It was used by an expert uh, guest just now. Uh, it just means water that's lost because of leaks. I mean, it's water that isn't kind of in the system, in the system, as it were. So a number of people um, actually cracking down on car washing. So I think we can look at, so Carl, for instance, saying, wipe your car instead of washing your car. Number two, stop uncle using flowing water to flush leaves down his driveway. I feel like that's a specific uncle. That, that's that's one uncle. Like a neighbor yeah. uncle. Um, and, and, you know, people are being shamed. Uh, Fash says, without being too disrespectful, I feel, uh, in my opinion, I feel that washing cars use a lot of water. I'm doubtful that any amount of savings effort is made uh, made domestically will make up for the amount used by the car washing businesses. Are they paying the same tariff? Lok, meanwhile, says car washing businesses are a problem. This has been recognized for years. Using processed water to wash cars, not essential, such a massive waste. 
Yeah, I, I feel a bit hesitant about, you know, uh, targeting one small group. And they, mm-hmm. I mean, these car washing places often are run by working class lads trying to make a living. I don't think they make a lot of money. Isn't it the visibility? I, I think it's the visible, yes. the fact that it's a visible use of water. That's what gets people, right? I, I think it's yeah, not that might so be, much. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, it, and also... Um, a constant sparkling car being viewed as uh, almost not a necessity. It's a status symbol, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's, it's a few different things because I agree with you in terms of industry. I don't know whether this is the industry that we need to focus our energies on, but the the visibility of it, the status symbol of it, um, I, I think is part of it. Go on though, Shirat. No, I mean, for me, it's like, okay, I think the, you know, distributing the the responsibility across society, um, you know, is very important. We don't be, we don't look outside ourselves to see who who is the problem. Though I mean that's okay too. But what it seems to me that isn't happening is that we don't have a holistic approach to this, and we haven't reframed the question of water use in such a way that. Um, we recognize how precious a resource this is and that we uh, that it's often wasted because of that because because we don't think it's we think it's f- f- infinite and it's not a it's a finite resource and so because of that this uh, lack of understanding i think we tend to uh, engage in practices that are detrimental to the environment so it's not just car washes that are getting it um it's also pools. So, um, oh, swimming pools. Yes. So, for example, we've got this from, well, Irfan is making a point about water parks. <laughs> it makes me wonder whether water parks are wasting water. Um, but we also have KW who says, why doesn't the Penang government ask all their hotels to stop operating swimming pools? It would save them plenty of water. Also, ban all bathtub usage. Uh, Nini says, please don't blame it on consumers alone because condominiums or properties with swimming pools or ponds actually consume more water. Uh, I only water the plants three times a week, filling up recycled water bottles for them to be slowly released through self-watering. You know, I'd like to see cities designed to harvest water better. Uh, we see that, uh, you know, any number of Instagram posts that show you where the technology is and what can be done with it. The question is, uh, do we have the political will to implement this? Uh, do we have the resources to commit to such, you know, long-term planning about water use in our cities? Can we go back to the swimming pool thing for a second, though? Because, I mean, I agree with you. I think that the the question of how it is that we... So we heard earlier from Jane the individual harvesting and how that can be done, and it's a good thing. I We've talked on our show quite a bit about sponge cities. Yes. Um, the fact that we could be thinking more carefully or designing our cities in such a way that we become sponges and learn to live with excessive water as and when it comes. Uh, but... I want to go back to the point that's being raised by pools because is that the same as car washes? I'm trying to make up my mind whether it's also kind of just a visible status symbol that then yeah, gets kind of latched onto. Um, associated with perhaps luxury, not necessity, though one could argue exercise. Um, but yes, I, I wonder whether it's a, it's almost a, a straw man argument in some ways. Yeah, that I'm. I'm also kind of agnostic about it, partly mm. because I don't think uh, that that's not where my mind went when I was thinking about you know uh, bad practices around water usage, right? But it could be like, say, you 
take an apartment and it has a swimming pool, but if it harvests water, if it saves, if it implements and helps its like offsetting your footprint. Yeah, yeah, why not, right? So then you then on a on a kind of um, residential development level, you might actually make the balance. You, you might actually find the equilibrium for your little locality. And, and I don't know if that's the best, best way to think about it, but that's how my mind is going. So instead of saying we ban, you know, say, swimming pools outright, uh, we think about how do we balance things out at different levels of, um, uh, you know, of organizing so, so, social life. Let us know, uh, are you a water-conscious person? Uh, we're talking today about water consumption. Do you think you use a lot of water? But also, in terms of getting people to be better about it, is is going with the stick really the way? Whether we should be raising water bills, whether should we should just be regulating more firmly, let us know. You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Bias Free Media, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 7.19 and this is Inside Story with Lynn, Sharmila and Sharad. We are talking today about water use um, and this is coming after Chao Kon Yao, Penang's Chief Minister, has called for Penangites to reduce domestic water consumption by 20% and this is because Basically, there are concerns about their water supply. And that had us asking or focusing on that notion of 20%. That requires people to be aware of, of what exactly they're doing, which has us therefore asking, do you think you're very aware? Um, are you very conscious when it comes to your water use? Do you think you use a lot of water? And uh, do you think we just need to be paying more for water or that water use should be better regulated in order to ensure that we're actually making the best of it? You can call 7733-2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. You can also tweet us at BFM Radio. So, um, speaking of... So, there's a message from Sai who says, speaking of water usage, remember the subsidy that the Selangor government had for its citizens? I remember during that period, I never had to pay for the water bill. I also remember a certain elderly neighbour of mine utilising the subsidy by hosing down the plants across his house. Hosing down, mind you. I understand watering, but this H2O extravaganza for his lovely plants. With the subsidy taken away, the uncle is no longer seen outside his house pampering his plants, and you wonder why we cannot have nice things. So, so this is what an argument journey. for disincentives, right? I mean, it's um, so I wouldn't call it a stick. I think I think it's in fact recognizing what this resource is and pricing it accordingly. That's what it is. I think often our discourse, you know, revolves around the right, the right to have water, and that's perfectly okay. But it needs to be balanced with other frames. And because of the climate crisis, because of the way water has been mismanaged, because in many states the infrastructure causes a lot of leakages, we need to find a solution that recognizes water as a significant resource. Well, Katrina is saying, I've missed most of the conversation, so apologies, but have we talked yet about banning golf courses? Also, infrastructure and funds to support rainwater collection for domestic and statewide. And we've also whacked all the root cause issues with deforestation, poor planning and all of that, I assume. Agreed on increasing our understanding and knowledge about the water crisis we're in globally. Maybe if we have more spaces for environmental 
Indigenous and all human rights activists to operate, more people would have access to this messaging and work. Several, several good points there, Katrina, that need a little bit of addressing. I, I think that the the giving voice to people to talk about not just water, because that's just an end consumer concern and it falls very easily into, you know, kind of uh, maybe capitalist-driven worries, hence our focus on money, not without reason, but you know, um, and, and kind of making it a bigger conversation about the planet, the country, and recognising where we're at, which, Sharad, you were trying to do earlier in talking about things like security. Yeah, security is, um, yes, it's an environmental issue, but it's actually literally, at least in the case of Singapore, and I think we'll increase, uh, with many states in the world, and you see this where you have conflicts around water, is it's literally about security. I mean, in the way that we traditionally understand security, right? Because a population can be held uh, to ransom by its lack of uh, access to water. I mean, there's, there are many things we can do without for long periods of time, but water is just not one of them. I mean, the, the very basis of civilization will be ripped from under our feet uh, without water. So, um, so because, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. I, I didn't think you were. It's just, I, I, I didn't know I was at a poetry slam, but go on. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Well, does it sound like a poetry slam? A little one of those bit, a little bit. Poetry slams? No, no, I just want to snap. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, so again, it's ca- recalibrating the conversations we're having about these resources, right? And, you know, when, uh, Katrina talks about deforestation, intimately linked to the, the way forests and uh, water reserves, all that works, right? Uh, again, we don't we don't understand the value of our forests. So, um, to the first point that Katrina raised, though banning golf courses, so we're back to the the banning of things. Um, I I think that if we are looking at golf courses, just again as a way for a certain segment of society to to be able to enjoy something that it takes a lot of water to operate. In From that perspective, I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, in terms of water catchment areas and how we think about it, I mean, they could continue to operate as water catchment without serving as golf courses. That's the point, isn't it? No, it is. And, and I think um, perhaps what it is is... Um to, to, to go back to the point Katrina was making about looking at the issue of water, not just through the lens of environment, but as a more intersectional thing, um, are, we, are we fixating disproportionately on consumers who may not be contributing as much or who may have other challenges that, are, that they're working on? Um, perhaps policies need to be something that looks at those um, looks at how we are implementing these issues and who is most affected by them. Uh, we also, I mean, since we are talking about the things that people are like, we need to get rid of it. <laughs> there's, so there's golf courses, <laughs> there's car washes, and earlier swimming pools came under fire. We have a voice note from Taihee about this. Swimming pool water is not thrown away. It is recycled. It is filtered, chlorinated, and then put back into the pool. Thank you for this. I suspected that that might be the case because of the chlorine, the chlorination, uh, is that the right word, of, of the water. Uh, SK is also saying, look, I have a swimming pool. Apart from filling it up four years ago, I only have to top it up slightly twice in the last four years. There's a misconception, I think, on them using a lot of water, unless I have been maintaining my pool wrongly and swimming <laughs> in dirty water, which, you know, 
Well, we're not pool experts. No. But no, I was also considering that this might be the case with most uh, venues that have swimming pools. Well, I've learned something new today. Uh, I do think, though, there is a question, I think this around the golf course issue, which is not just uh, whether they use water, but do you contaminate the water when you use it? And the, to keep those lawns uh, the way they are, are there chemicals? Because when you put chemicals, when you dirty the water, this is the problem with Ulumuda, right? Which is that if we don't maintain the the catchment area in its pristine form, the kind of water that Penang p- picks up on its side of the border is dirty. If it's dirty, it increases the cost of, of cleaning it up, of filtering it. So we have... A, you know, we, we, we should be invested in keeping our water sources clean, our rivers clean. Uh, a couple of people talking about their their water practices and their bills. So Anonymous says, my monthly water bill is around six to seven ringgit. Um, so very good. There's four of us in my household. We live in a service... Uh, apartment in KL. We didn't practice extensive water savings, but we do our dishes together. We do our laundry run every four-day cycle. Not sure whether this counts. Uh, Roberto, meanwhile, uh, and I wanted to draw the comparison because it is a similar size household. So Roberto says, uh, I must admit at home we use plenty of water, but it's for two reasons. One is the washing machine. The other is washing dishes. We try, but we are four people at home. Uh, the amount of clothes that we need to wash every week is considerable. Even when we try to use the shorter cycle, it is still a lot of water. Uh, on weekends, what we do is... Uh, uh, use disposable dishes, but that gives us another trouble, so it's a never-ending story. I'll fight anybody to the death if they take away my washing machine. <laughs> we we know. We you, know. You have said this. You've made it clear. <laughs> I think this, um, the how much water I use, coming back to talking about water bills, right? I had to think about the fact that I don't actually know because my apartment charges a flat rate for everyone. Um, and there are many apartment buildings that do that. So for people who live like that, it's actually a lot more, um, it's a lot more sort of, oh, how, what can I do on a daily basis without necessarily thinking about how much money I'm going to spend. Uh, so I wanted to close with that because uh, Aslan is saying, I think I used to use a lot of water when I was staying in the family home, but I became more conscious when uh, staying on my own and the bill would tell me how much I use and smiled and then my happiness level rises. That's the indicator. Happiness. Fewer frown lines, another. By the way, if I have leftover water, it goes to my plants too or any other that needs it. So we're back to, I think, being money conscious. I think, I think we can all agree that it would be nice if we did have this sort of more high-minded, um, wide approach to how we think about water. But probably it starts with the wallet. I think so. It's the most immediate. I agree. And I, I just think it's what, going to be one of many tools, but let's teach our ki- children about water. Let's teach our children about the environment. I have no children, uh, but let's teach our, our, our children in the kind of metaphorical sense. You can call us, tweet us, send us a voice note and keep it here. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.